Yeah. And if we're going to perpetuate that stupid elf on the shelf, you put a black elf on your white shelf and start talking about it. And let's see if your child has a reaction. Honestly. Welcome to the Peaches Ain't Pink podcast. A show with two cousins from different worlds with the same dedication to glutes and truth. I'm Meredith Atwood, a former attorney turned coach and author of The Year of No Nonsense. And I'm Brianna Belser, a Harvard grad turned TV writer and actor. Leave your expectations at the door and join us. Time to grow your peach. Hey, everybody. So this is our first Karens and Queens episode of 2021. And what I would love for us to talk about this episode is internalized racism. Um, So I'm going to just hit you real quick with some definitions and some jargon so we are all on the same page. Internalized racism is defined as the acceptance by marginalized racial populations of the negative societal beliefs and stereotypes about themselves. So basically, let's go. I'm black. No secret here, so let's talk about the black folks. It would be that black people are in, are accepting the negative beliefs that society has about who we are and our stereotypes. And this is really common, it's very pervasive, and it stemmed out of a conversation that Meredith and I had on a previous episode about whether or not black people, white people, Americans are aware of the fundamentally racist cultural norms that we have. My answer was, Hell yes, absolutely, no question. And so the ways that I want to bring this to life, and my, I think it came up not to jump all over you, but oh, like, do it. It came, it, it came up because I was like, I just think people don't know, and you were like, eh, no, <laughs> they know, and I was like, no, we don't know. And so that, yeah, and this is such an interesting topic because I'm clueless on, like, I I am clueless on a lot of stuff we're going to talk about. So if it sounds like Bree's talking a lot, she is because I'm over here and my armpits are sweating. That's like my big joke. My armpits start to sweat because I'm nervous. But yeah, like this is, we it is in there and, and we have some stuff to talk about to prove it. Yeah, totally. And I think like the thing that I'm going to ask everyone who's listening is to use that sort of legal uh, quip that we hear on TV, which is ignorance is not an excuse. So What I found is a lot of times in my experience when I've gotten myself into some sort of a racial conversation or I have been victimized racially is the first thing that people will tend to reply is, well, I didn't know that or I don't Mm. think like that. And my answer is we have hardcore research almost 100 years old that says, yes, the fuck you do think like that because we all do. So let me hit you with a few facts and figures, okay? Um, There was this really interesting test done um, in the 1930s, and it was done by these researchers. They were African-American researchers named Mamie and Kenneth Clark, and um, they basically conducted experiments, psychological experiments on children in order to test the internalized racism uh, between white and black kids. So to what extent have children, I'm talking kindergarten and under, already internalized racist attitudes about black people and white people, even when they themselves are black or white? So the kids were asked a bunch of questions and 
what doll is pretty, what doll is ugly, what doll is bad. Now the kicker here is they had two dolls in front of them. One doll was a textbook blonde hair, blue eyed white doll, and the other was a textbook chocolate skin, black hair, black eyed doll. And unequivocally, the kids would answer for all of the favorable, positive questions, which doll is pretty, which doll is good, who do you want to play with? They would all point to the white doll. This is unanimous. And for which doll is ugly, which doll is bad, which doll do you hate? They would point to the black doll. And the last question that they would ask every single child is which doll do you look like the most? And they could correctly identify that. But what they found is that some of the black children stormed out of the room and became upset and cried at identifying the doll that they themselves rejected. And so here black kids are already learning that they're bad, they're ugly, they're this and that. And the studies are showing it before they can even read. They understand that there's a fundamental difference in their value. And these research conclusions were actually some of the basis for how the Brown versus Board of Education ruling was overturned in 1954. So we are not talking no new shit. This some old shit. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie, okay? Which is to say... OS. Old shit. Old shit. Get with me. But which is to say... <laughs> Historically, if you were raised and socialized in the United States, our American culture has built in these values about what it means to be black and what it means to be white. And you have already got it memorized, ingrained, and permanently operating in your mind before you can even read. So yeah. when you have a conversation with someone as an adult, these lessons and stereotypes and beliefs are so ingrained that they've become invisible but my argument is you still know. You still know. And so what I'd be curious about for you, Meredith, as we're just giving this background is, what is your thought on the doll test and its results? Just like broadly, do you buy it? Are you feeling compelled by it? Do we need to do another one and call bullshit? Like, where are you? <laughs> um. Oh, you know, when you told, I had heard it before. I think I had read it in a psychology class, you mm -hmm. know, 150 years ago, but promptly forgot it and didn't care about it because, you know, why? Mm -hmm. And so when you brought it up and, and I read it, I was, what I first thought was it made me sick. Mm -hmm. It made me sick because we're talking about babies little babies who already dislike and, and and the key of this episode is the term internalized racism like mm -hmm. at such a young age you know we think about I know in like my coaching practice and stuff I talk about internalized body image and like white women can certainly know what it's been like to be fat your whole life because someone at three told you you were and right. so to, to not to paralyze it or parallel it and it's not the same thing but to understand that that can come so very young and to be about something that is who you are intrinsically that cannot change this part that is in the mirror every day. Right. And to, to, it, it made me sick. It made me yeah. like hurt, you know, and I do, I don't think we need to do the test again. I think I, I totally understand why. And part of the research showed um, that white people, um, people of European descent, typically think that it's not appropriate to talk to children about race until they're over like eight years old. Yeah. When that study shows that they're learning from television, from their parents, from, I mean, everywhere 
And because isn't the doll mm-hmm. tests aren't weren't they like three and four? Yes, they're extremely they're small. Well, I think you've hit on something really key here. Um, which is to say, if you don't know that racism still exists, if you don't believe that you contribute to your proponent, the, the, my answer is if you're American, you do. And one of the ways is this colorblind teaching. I don't see color. Skin color doesn't matter. It's all that we're the same on the inside. It's not mm-hmm. polite to talk about race. You are part of the problem. If this is your doctrine in order to educate young people, i.e. preschool children, about racial disparity. Because skin color does matter. And we see it mattering in the way that people are policed. We see it yes. mattering in the way that people get jobs and loans. Now, should it matter? No, but that's the ideal world and we are in the real world. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I don't like to talk about how things would, should, could, ought to be until we fully comprehend how they are. Yes. And so that's one thing. If you have ever used a colorblind strategy, just reevaluate that. To tell a child who by three has internalized that their whiteness is more valuable, that blackness is devalued, to tell them that skin color doesn't matter is to fundamentally lie to them. And I've seen people get all hippity hyped about telling kids Santa's not real. Or I'm t- <laughs> telling kids Santa is real. So let's get real, real interesting about this. You want to feel passionate about Santa and the Tooth Fairy? Let's talk about some real deal stuff that people will have to reckon with and vote with and pay with and die for throughout their entire American lives. Yeah, and if we're going to perpetuate that stupid elf on the shelf, you put a black elf on your white shelf and start Hello? talking about it. And let's see if your child has a reaction, honestly. Yeah. Oh, and why oh would they? So the second thing that I, I think when you ask yourself, or if you're a person who's like, no, 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 I'm not part of the problem. I don't do that. Or I'm not part of this culture. Because it's more that we as individuals are problematic. It's that we have a culture that is toxic and problematic and racist. So the second thing, aside from colorblindness, is talking about race as though it is uniformly applied throughout, which is to say, you just have a good heart. You just treat people well. You just behave yourself. You be kind. Because it's so individually focused that it dis- it it erases the systemic of it. Kids see that in white neighborhoods, they have their own football stadiums. And in a black neighborhood, the entire county's sharing one. Kids see that the white kids have better books, have better clothing, and and have better access to resources within their own communities. To say nothing of how we depict them in television, songs, books, the radio, the media. Kids know when they go to the public library and they want to check out the book that 90% of the protagonists are white. So when you're sitting here and telling them that if they just one-to-one are a good person and that that's all they need to do, that absolves them of the responsibility to be part of changing the collective culture. You can't do just you being good in your own little square. It's not about you just recycling once a week. We have to dismantle a collective system that we all participate in and perpetuate day in and day out. Oh, the hair is standing up on the back of my neck. My armpits are poor. No, that, gosh, so many things, so many things just hit me in the gut when you were saying that. And it's like, as someone who lives in a white suburban neighborhood, 
it is so easy to just close your eyes and pretend like you're being a good person over here in your neck of the woods and not pay attention to the entire system Mm -hmm. that was created exactly for this reason to oppress Oh, oh my gosh. So um, I, I, I was wanna... too busy listening to you. <laughs> I didn't even no. have, usually I'm like, I know what I'm going to say next. I did, I did want to, um, to mention that there's a certain assumption, like when you said that black kids see that the white kids have more of this in the stadium and the books and the resources, there's a certain stupidity in the white community that like, nobody's noticing that. Like the black kids are fine over there. They're, they have schools, mm-hmm. they right. ha- you know, and, and that needs to be really like necks need to be turned and faces and be like, no, you need to look and you need to keep asking why and how far has this gone back? And, and it was designed this way. Like if you really start white people doing your reading and research about how far deep this goes it will make you sick but the problem is most white people don't want to know they do know yeah they don't <laughs> they want don't want to look know. at it there was a beautiful researcher it. whose name i'll have to put in the show notes after um but she was this woman who would do talks in the 80s and she, there's a really compelling video of her speaking to an entire auditorium of a high school faculty, the whole nine. And she says, you all claim that there's no racial issue in America. So I would love if you fundamentally believe that all races are treated equally and wonderfully in this country, I would love to see a show of hands of who here would be happily and ready and willing to trade places and live the experience of an African-American and not one person in the entire audience raised their hand. And she said, see, the lack of hands here tells me that you do know that there's a difference and that you never want to be subjected to that experience. And it is a gut punch. And my thing would be, yeah, you can do your research, but also get in the car and go to the black neighborhood where you live, because there is one. Even in the middle America, go to the non-white area, go to the non-affluent area. And funny thing is, I bet you never been. Or I bet you're no, Brie. It's or I bet you feel safe. There. It's scary, right? It's so, scary. and 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 ask yourself why. Thanks for tuning in to Peaches Ain't Pink. If you want us to riff on something specific, DM us on Instagram at Peaches Ain't Pink. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share with your favorite peaches. <laughs> <laughs>